welcome to the Modern MBA podcast with Marie Kerbin and Kristen Rossi. Our mission is to help MBAs coming from, going into, or merely considering more unorthodox career paths. It's a community to find inspiration and share stories. On today's show, we'll interview Denise Farmer, who after a career in conferences, did an MBA, moved to Australia, and used her transferable skills to move into a variety of marketing and strategy roles with LexisNexis. Denise, would you like to start off um, just by telling us a little bit about um, yourself, where you're from, um, and what made you what made you do an MBA? Yeah, sure. Um, well, my name is Denise Palmer. I'm originally from the UK, but I've been um, in Sydney and Australia since 2004. Um, I'm currently the executive director of the Small Enterprise at LexisNexis in Australia. Mm-hmm. I did my MBA. I think I started my MBA in 2002. Took about three years to complete it. Um, I've been several years in the conferences sector, um, which, as you know, is a very specific thing. Wanted to change industry. It was as simple as that. Um, I'd also never done a formal business education. My first degree is in languages. Once I'd kind of done a few years in corporate life and decided that's probably where I was going to keep going, I thought it would be a good opportunity to have um, some kind of formal business education as well. So I did five subjects at Warwick. I mean, I was overseas at the time, so they have a really good distance program. So I started there. Um, Right. Um, and then I transferred full-time over to Sydney Graduate School of Management at Western Sydney University when I first came over to Australia and finished up my MBA there. Brilliant. Okay, fantastic. So you had the experience of doing the uh, the MBA in, in two different places. Yeah, absolutely. It's very interesting, actually. Yeah. Um, so, Denise, um, you and I actually worked for, um, worked for the same company doing the same kind of role, um, although, although not at the uh, not at the same time. Um, I usually sort of describe it, I guess, as a mixture of kind of product management, marketing and project management. And as you said, that was in the, the conferences and events industry. Um, so you then sort of transitioned, um, as I understand, into um, kind of more pure marketing roles. Um, and then at LexisNexis, you've done a mixture of kind of marketing um strategy and product management positions as well so kind of I'm just wondering sort of what skills do you feel kind of crossed over from your past career to your current and what kind of skills did you feel that you um you needed to learn yeah it's a good question I I have a little bit about this one um Mm. be interesting to get your take on it because you've worked in similar you know we've done exactly the same role essentially yeah I think one (laughs) one thing from Marcus Evans which has been transferable to everything else is how to make money from an idea, right? Something that starts mm, in your yeah. business, a product that you sell. And that, that's mm. something that's attractive to every single corporate business anywhere. Um, I think other sort of skill that crossed over from that to what I do now is good customer discovery. So the more your product, mm. you know, the better it sells. Now you can pull that statement apart, I know, but in principle, that's, that's something. Um, yeah. And then I guess the other thing is the ability to work in a very structured fashion to quite pressurized deadlines. Um, mm-hmm. Really good training to, you know, a high level of output at pace. And I guess those are some of the skills that have stayed with me um, and continue to serve me well in multiple roles. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of things that I had to learn, I don't think I came out of there with really great financial literacy. 
to use elsewhere. And there wasn't the same sort of regular cadence of detailed reporting um, that I've mm. frequently. And although it is a fairly big global business, it's not the same as working in a, a sort of global listed multinational company and how you kind of navigate that. It had a kind of smaller business feel. So, so that was a change. Going back to the transition, transition, how did you decide um, which area and or what kind of career that you wanted to transition into? Yeah, and I think we've talked about this before, but I, I, I tried to think about a series of steps, I guess, um, that I wasn't going to make a single jump into the perfect role. So I, I tried to think about things um, that I'd done in previous roles or on the MBA that I found most interesting. I tried to think about things that were important to me. So the type of, you know, size of company or the culture or environment that I thought would be um, most appropriate for me. Um, I made lists of sort of functional areas, um, roles, industries, um, e even specific businesses that I'd come across or was interested in and targeted those. I thought about some of the areas that I'd worked in before, um, so, you know, when you're doing conferences, you know, you tend to sort of work in a particular area. And I've done a lot in sort of um, e-commerce, tech, web, digital, because that's kind of what was really big at the time that I was there. You know, the whole sort of digital transformation and digital wave was really, really taking off. Um, and so I kind of started to focus in on that type of area. And, and that's kind of my right. so, so those were the sorts of things that I thought about. Mm. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it's a very, um, a very sensible way of doing it to kind of really think through, um, you know, what's important to you and especially the, the cultural environment as well. I was just going to say, it kind of reminded me of uh, the lamp list that, that we had to do kind of writing down our top 10 companies and uh, in the beginning of the MBA. Yeah, definitely. Where we kind of highlighted the ideal kind of companies and environments to work in. Okay, um, so Denise, one of the things that I'm also interested in is throughout the MBA, so both in Warwick and Sydney, um, what did you do to kind of prepare yourself for the, the jump that you were going to make? Um, were there any kind of particular courses or extracurricular opportunities that you found were particularly helpful? Given that I was in the middle of moving from one country to another country, <laughs> extracurricular anything um, going on, yeah. <laughs> but I, I did think about um, you know which subjects I was going to choose within the end outside of the sort of the foundational topics you know you get to do electives so I did think about electives would be the right ones for me to pick um, and I certainly took advantage of the people around me especially the people who you get to do group projects with presentations with so many different backgrounds and careers between us so it was a really great source of um information if you wanted to find out about something that you were curious about outside of the mba itself um once i got to australia and was at west sydney university i actually worked part-time as well and i went and worked for mm. a really young up-and-coming entrepreneur a few days a week and that was mm. interesting because he was really a risk taker had a lot of get up and go um, has gone on to incredible success and I found him really inspirational and it also gave me time to start to learn a little bit of the Australian and Sydney business landscape as well so so that was also mm. um, whilst I was on the MBA program. 
Yeah, I think that's so important when you move to kind of a, a new country or a new region, just taking the time to actually get to know the, the business environment and landscape you're in and, and where those opportunities are. Actually, if I can, I can just jump in here. Um, mm-hmm. How did you find that, that entrepreneur? I answered a job ad. He had an ad oh. on Speak or whatever the main job sort of ad site is here in Australia. He, he was advertising for business development a few days before I went and did that. Oh, brilliant. It kind of just fate. Fate. Absolutely fate. <laughs> brilliant. So Denise, your story is really interesting. Um, so talking about making that career change or transition so you've made a list of of companies and functions you were interested in you tried to be particular about what electives you chose you took a part-time job and you tried to learn the business landscape uh, of of australia how else did you actually go about the process of making the career change in regards to maybe tweaks to your cv or any creative input on your cover letter or how you networked yeah, I'll, I'll answer the networking one first because it's probably the briefest answer. Um, did a little bit of networking, but I was still relatively new to Australia when I was looking. So it wasn't like I had a broad or well-established um, network here. Um, there were a couple of ex-conferences people who were back in Sydney and I did meet up with them uh, just to get their thoughts and any input I could get. They'd, they'd exited conferences that gone in quite different directions to where I wanted to go. Um, so couldn't help but it was still really encouraging to hear that they'd made a change out of conferences and made it successfully so I spent more time and effort I guess in terms of things like my CV and how I positioned myself and explained what I had been doing previously in relation to my CV I had to work really really hard on the language when you come from something a little bit less obvious a little bit more left field that's not necessarily immediately known either as a brand or a business or a role, you really have to work extra hard in your CV to explain it. (laughs) So, you know, a lot of time when people think conferences, they often think event management, which is great, but it wasn't what I personally did. Or the job titles are quite specific. So if you're a summit director, I mean, what does that mean to anyone outside of the conferences business or indeed even even a specific business? what is Marcus Evans anyway, so on and so forth. So I had to do a lot of work to make that um, easily understood. Mm. Um, I've never really had a standard cover letter. I don't necessarily think you should. I think you should write each one fresh for a particular job or a company. Um, I kind of like to pretend I'm going to go and meet someone for a coffee and I'm talking them through my experience and then sort of write that down and why I think I'm right for the position rather mm, than, that's a- you know, doing a stock standard thing. I think it comes out more authentic, plainer English, um, more specific. I-, I do the same with PowerPoints as well. I try to kind of say it out loud like I'm just in a normal conversation and then put it down. And I've taken mm. the cover letters. I think that works better. That's really, I really like that idea of having it as a conversation. That's a great tip, I would say. Uh, and, and it goes back, we, we interviewed uh, someone a few, about a week ago, and he was talking about authenticity. And I kind of relate, because if you're just having a conversation, you're just being yourself. Yes, absolutely. And, and you can find PowerPoints, um, cover letters, any sort of document. They can get really kind of wordy and corporate speak, like really quick. Yeah. And I... I, yeah. I as much as possible 
Yeah, no, that's great. Um, so that kind of relates to the to the next question, which is sort of how did you tell your did you tell your story? So in your covers letters, you tried to make it like a conversation. How did you sort of express the skills that were transferable, such as monetizing an idea? Yeah, and it is really those types of things, right? You have to work really hard to reframe it so that recruiters and business get it quickly. And mm. you know, the conferences industry that we were in, you have this 20-day production cycle. It's very standardized. It's very internal language. So yeah. I pulled that cycle apart. And we've spoken about this before. I pulled that cycle apart and tried to explain it in more sort of standardized and recognizable terms. So mm, yeah. the cycle, I don't know this is what people still do but back when I was doing this you know you 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 know do some desk and phone research Probably that's that's customer discovery and customer validation and then explain to someone what that process actually is well I'm making 100 calls a day over three days I'm going to have 30 or 40 discovery interviews with you know senior c-level executives on the topic I'm developing you know getting through the gatekeeper persuading someone senior to drop what they're doing and speak to me asking meaningful questions, even perhaps recruiting them to speak, and they don't get paid to do so. You know, that's <laughs> sort of, um, tenacity, determination, key skill in questioning. And when, you, when you then start to get those sorts of points across, then you can kind of see um, businesses respond. You know, they can sort of see that those are skills they want in their organization. And then yeah. you'll go, well, the next stage is I build a product, right? Then I go mm. to that product. And, and then you kind of see the light bulb moment when people start to get what you did and sort of go, well, actually, that's pretty impressive. And I would like someone with those skills in my organization. So but that mm. was a, to get that into a CV and to get that into how you tell your story and interview mm. took a lot of iteration for sure. Mm. Yeah, I think that's something that really resonates with me. Um, that challenge of kind of explaining to people, yeah, it's not an events management role. You know, it's actually quite different. And what we talked about with regards to standardizing kind of the language and putting it into more more mainstream terms. Um, I know that was something that for me really helped kind of get across the, the essence of the role to recruiters and made them have that, that light bulb moment, as you say, and understand what it was that, uh, that we actually did. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. I wish I talked to you so much earlier. <laughs> it, it's a great, it's a, it's really a good tip. If I may ask what didn't work or maybe what did you think was the biggest challenge in, you faced in making your jump? I mean, it's the obvious one, isn't it? And I don't know what it's like in the UK these days, but certainly in Australia when I was looking, you know, previous industry experience is all favorably considered. And around it, um, you know, I'd often get down to the last two candidates, you know, after four rounds of interviews, and they'd be like, oh, we really like you, but the other candidates worked in a bank before, or they've worked in a <laughs> before. And I'm like, well, well you kind of knew that in my CV at least four rounds of interviews ago. Um, yes. You know, that, that was the biggest frustration. You, you had to work so much harder to overcome that. Um, but mm. I guess through the process was how I learned to iterate on the story, present myself a bit better and use the feedback to my advantage. And I also got more thoughtful in selecting target companies where I thought that would be less of an issue and kind of amping up the things that I believe I brought to the table. And I still think the other biggest challenge in making a jump of that nature is confidence. I still think self-doubt is, is the biggest enemy. Um, like, yeah, 
don't have those mainstream names on my CV, but I'm worthy of consideration. I still deserve a seat at the table. I've got all these other skills that I've learned if you would only give me the chance to explain them to you. That is still a challenge. Those are the biggest things I've had to overcome. That, that's really interesting. And it's absolutely true. I, for me, I came from entertainment background. And it was the MBA that gave me the confidence that I could say, actually, I should, I should be at this table. Because before then, you kind of think, well, everyone's just going to see me as an entertainer. And you, and you don't have that confidence. And it, having that confidence does make all the difference. It really does. I think it's interesting what you said about kind of you know, getting down to the last sort of two or three candidates as well, and then losing out to the person with that industry experience. We were talking to someone yesterday um, who was saying exactly the same thing. Yeah. And I know for me, like it's been, it's definitely been a consistent experience throughout the um, the job hunting process as well. I think it's something we've all kind of experienced from, from that perspective. Great. So to so the next question, the last two questions, um, how have you found things since you actually made your switch into LexisNexis, LexisNexis, sorry, <laughs> and, and is your new career path what you hope for? Um, well, I mean, it, was, it was 15, 15 years ago now, right, that I, um, I made the switch, that I finished my MBA and started at LexisNexis. In fact, I had my 15th anniversary just recently on the 11th of April. Oh, so, Um, joys of working from home. <laughs> <laughs> Having kids at home, and they walk, they walk into literally every single meeting that I do at the moment. <laughs> Where was I? Um, so we were talking about how have I found it since I switched over and before my child walked into the room. Well, as I was saying, it was, it was 15 years ago, and, and maybe I'm not a great example because I'm still at LexisNexis 15 years later. It's a business and an industry that's undergone and still continues to undergo significant transformation. And they've given me the opportunity to move into lots of different areas, some that I've always wanted to work in. So, for example, you know, moving from mar marketing into strategy and M&A was something I'd always wanted to do, taking me into areas I'd never seen coming. So um, software product development, lean and agile, those sorts of things, and commercial sales, market product adoption, but at a more senior level. So from that point of view, um, things have been really good. I think if you'd asked me 15 years ago, I would have envisaged that maybe I would have had to switch around different companies to get all of those different things. But really I've, I've found them all in a single company, which is really amazing, I guess, these days. Mm, absolutely, yeah. Is it what I hoped for, I think, was the other thing you asked? Yes, I think it has been. Even, even if I couldn't have articulated it back then, and I'm not saying... All of it has happened by design. A lot of it has happened by accident. But I've been able to build a great portfolio career. So through marketing, strategy, product, commercial. And I do think, as I'm looking back, that that was actually what I was looking for. I mm. work in the digital space that I really wanted to work in. So still working with digital content, data, analytics, software in an industry that's um, interesting and undergoing a lot of change. And... Somewhere where we have a really important mission advancing the rule of law, it's always good working somewhere with a higher purpose and that you know has a more meaningful contribution to make. Yeah, from that point of view now, when I look back on it with hindsight, yes, it, it has satisfied all of the things that I was looking for. Hmm. That's brilliant. That's it's great. So then the final question is, are there any tips for MBAs wanting to do, actually in your case, a triple jump that you would give or suggest? So a triple jump in what, in what sense? 
because you moved you moved to Australia, you changed industry and yeah. and essentially function as well. Yeah, I, I I think the tip is not to necessarily try and bite off all of those things at once. And for me, mm. it just happened to converge accidentally. Um, sometimes you might place more importance on one or the other. So, for example, my my transition overseas happened anyway, and I'd been jumping around different countries anyhow. On that basis, I would say just go for it. Um, you don't need <laughs> one country. There's plenty of opportunities in so many of these global companies anyway. And secondly, not to expect that all of those things can happen at once. So sometimes it might be the role that you focus on. So the role, you do a similar role to get you into a different type of industry, one way to do it. Um, so maybe not all of those things happen at once. And it might be, again, as I've said before, a series of steps that gets you there. But all three yeah. are possible. You can piece it together for sure. No, it's, it's true, actually. And we, again, we, we've talked about this in other conversations about this expectation just in order to say move country. Uh, we might not be able to move country, get the promotion, change completely into a whole new company all at the same time. Yeah, but you, yeah, you, you, you maybe say, okay, I'm, I'm quite happy to do marketing. It gets me to that country, and then once I'm there, I change. Or it gets me into that company, and then once I'm in the company, and I've proven myself, and I've got some credibility, then other things will open up. I think that's just a really, really pragmatic way to look at things. Yeah, I yeah. totally agree. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Denise, thank you so much um, for coming back. I know a lot of this is um, a, a things that we kind of talked about during our conversation, um, but those were really powerful and useful things, which is why I kind of wanted to capture this. Well, thank you for me. I wish something like this had been around for me 15 years ago. And um, good luck with it. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Take care, guys. Cheers. Thank you. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day. Bye-bye. So what I really liked actually about our chat with Denise was that she had such brilliant nuggets of wisdom, especially the part about taking what you do, your current role and the work processes and breaking them down into transferable business language. I just thought that was golden because it's such a simple and practical approach, but I don't know why I, sometimes you don't think of doing it. Yeah. Often what you're doing in your role, it might initially not sound like it's transferable but when you actually break it down you realize oh what they want in x role i'm already doing in some capacity in my current role and so i think when you do that it makes things a lot clearer about how um, how you can make that jump yeah i think sometimes it's harder to see it for yourself isn't it and sometimes talking it through with somebody else can really help you realize like you say that those transferable skills are there yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I also really loved about the point she made about uh, not trying to make all the jumps at once. Because I think, again, in the MBA, we're talking about triple jump, and there's all this hype around that. But it's also okay to think, to do in the short term, one jump at a time to get to that longer goal of making a big change. Yeah, I think it's kind of been a recurring theme in a lot of our, our chats, hasn't it? That that kind of pragmatism and, and realism about, um, you know, understanding that triple jumps are great. And if you can do one, that's fantastic. But, you know, for some people, it is about kind of breaking it down step by step. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think for me, it was so great to speak to Denise because 
obviously not only were we in the same industry but we actually worked for the same company as well and I think for me it was just so valuable to have somebody to have that conversation with who really understood like what my role was about and the best way to market it I'd really encourage anyone um to kind of go out and make those connections um mm -hmm. with people from from you know similar backgrounds to themselves to get their insights on on how they've been able to make these changes because it, it really was so valuable yeah actually I've, I've loved that in the past when i've talked with people or talked with someone from a similar background and you have that light bulb moment that moment of oh you you get me you know you understand what i'm where i'm my frustrations and where i'm trying to go yeah, I think it's a really kind of, it's a really powerful connection and it's so good to be able to kind of compare experience and stories with, uh, with other people, which I guess is kind of why we're doing this. Yeah, absolutely. It certainly is. So yeah, Denise mentioned earlier in the interview how she wrote down kind of companies and roles and industries that she was interested in. And it made me think of the lamp list exercise from the two hour job search that we did at the start of the MBA. Um, so we've actually put the link to the book um, and that individual exercise as well in the show notes um, for people to take a look at. No, I thought the same thing, Marie, when Denise was talking about how she went about thinking about uh, the company she wanted to work with and roles and industries. I immediately thought of the lamp list and I think it's such a good tool just to get yourself brainstorming about where you want to move to. Yeah, I think um, I'm doing the lamp list right at the start of the MBA as well. Um, although mine did kind of change like enormously from the beginning of the program to, you know, when I actually started doing my, my kind of full on job searching. Um, I think doing it at the start really does trigger you to think in the beginning um, about what kind of opportunities you're most excited about. And I know for me, that was really helpful. Well, that's all for today's Modern MBA podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Marie. And until next time, bye. Bye.